The scripture this morning is taken from Psalms 42, verses 1 and 2. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to start off a little differently today. You know, sometimes I like to get a little interactive. Don't worry, this isn't going to be one of those times where you have to talk back to me. I know that those moments kind of stress you out a little bit. (laughs) I was like, yes, please, we just come here to sit, do our thing, listen to you talk for too long, and then we'll be out of here. I would like for you, if, if, uh, if, if you don't mind, you don't have to do this. You can do this in your mind if you would like, but take out a sheet of paper, something to write with, or your phone is fine. I don't mind if you're using your phone. That's, that's all good. Something, something that you can write down thoughts with if you have that available to you. And what I would like for you to do is to write down a list of everything in your life that you desire. And desire is a powerful word, right? This is, remember, the word desire, it's, it's more emotional than just wants. Like, I, I may want to eat at a certain restaurant, but when I'm hungry enough, I desire just any food to quell that hunger. Desire is powerful. And so, so think about these things in your life that you desire, and I want you to know you can keep this list private. It's not like I'm going to go around collecting all of them and come back up here and read so-and-so desires this in their life. Uh-oh. You can keep this list private. I want you to also think about these things in your life that you desire that maybe you feel like you're not allowed to desire. So for example, I may desire for my family to be at peace, but I may also desire a lot of money to make it that way. And so think about this list of things in your life that you desire, that you desperately long for. You see, human beings, we are all what we call insatiable creatures. We are individuals that once we think we have enough, there's still more that we might want. We often, if not always, find ourselves wanting more at some point in our lives. More of this, more of that, and It doesn't have to be all like, I want more money in my life. It may be, I want more comfort in my life. I want more peace in my life. I want more joy in my life. We are insatiable creatures. And now, this isn't a wrong thing. I'm going to put that out there. I'm not accusing anybody in here like, you're all insatiable, you can't be satisfied, you're all doomed. I'd be in that category as well. No, it's not a wrong thing. In fact, I believe we were created to be insatiable creatures with a purpose so that we might, in, we might live out our lives to seek satisfaction, that we might do everything in our lives to be satisfied. And what we will end up finding as we live out our lives trying to be satisfied with the things we fill our lives with, what we end up finding is that there is nothing in all of existence that ends up being enough for us until we meet God. But there is nothing else in all of existence that ends up being enough. Now, the author of Psalm 42, uh, which we heard this morning, begins this desperate cry. 
a desperate cry with a powerful image. As a deer longs for flowing streams, as a deer is desperately rushing towards water to quench this thirst. It's a symbolic imagery to describe desperation, to describe authentic longing and desire. Water is one of the most crucial elements to sustaining life. And aside from oxygen, it's the one thing we cannot go for very long without. In fact, any time you know, scientists are trying to discover life on other planets or even on our own planet, the first thing they look for is traces of water. Because without water, life cannot be sustained. And even when we are thirsty, longing for water, there is very little else we can even do aside from seek out anything that will quench our thirst. To be that desperate, to desire that much, is very powerful. And so the author of this psalm is setting the stage for understanding their desperation and their desire. Because we are insatiable creatures. We always have something in our lives we desire. Now, I want you to take a moment and look at the list that you've been compiling. Feel free to keep thinking about more things to add to this, but look at your list and think for just a moment. If you could have everything on this list, would it be enough? And think about this genuinely. If you could have everything on your list of desires, would it be enough to satisfy? Or could you imagine that once you got everything, there would be one more thing to put on the list, one more thing that you might want just a little bit more of? We have countless examples in our society of people like the wealthiest people in the world who express that they still have a hole remaining in their lives despite having the capacity to buy whatever they want. In fact, some of the most famous people in the world are also some of the most depressed some of the most powerful people in the world are also some of the most troubled. Even people with the most picturesque lives still feel broken. Even those who can think of nothing else to put on their list of desires feel like there is still something missing. We are insatiable creatures. And why do you think that is? One of the most scandalous stories told in all of the Gospels occurs in the Gospel of John, and I do mean it's a scandalous story. It describes a scene that touches on the insatiable nature of humanity. It's a moment in which Jesus and his disciples have been traveling for a while, it's hot outside, and they come to a well, and the disciples go on into town, but Jesus stops at the well, dying of thirst, desperate for a drink of water, the very human Jesus and a woman comes up, and she happens to be a Samaritan woman. Now, I know we're not very privy to the uh, political dynamics between Jews and Samaritans, but this was a dangerous scenario. This was a disaster waiting to happen. A Samaritan woman walking up to the same place where a Jewish man was at. And this Jewish man, Jesus, asked the woman, draw me something to drink. And she's like, are you crazy? Are you you, can't, you, you shouldn't be talking to me. We, we don't get along. What, why are you asking me to get you some water? Do you not know about the intricacies of our political dynamics? Like, and Jesus kind of stops her and says, if you knew who you were talking to, 
If you knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink of water. Because, he goes on to say, and the story gets even more scandalous, but Jesus goes on to say, uh, everyone who drinks from this water, referencing the well, will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. And the woman's like, give me some of that water. I don't want to keep coming to this well. But they end up having a very long conversation that gets a little more scandalous and unfolds some of her um, history. And it's a, it's, it's a powerful moment here in which we are reminded everyone who drinks of this water again will be thirsty. Everyone who drinks of this water. Can you think about putting that into the perspective of everything in our lives? Everyone who eats of this food will be hungry again. Everyone who has this much money will want more money again. We are insatiable creatures. Everything in the world around us, you see, is temporary. And so what that means is that Every aspect of our world around us can only satisfy us for just a little bit of time. Sometimes it's a decent amount of time, but typically not for very long. So on the same list of your desires that you've been compiling in your head or on your paper or on your phone, I also want you to write another list. A list of moments in your life. Moments in which you have felt like those moments were just enough. Moments in which you felt satisfied being exactly where you are. Like that was just a perfect moment that you wanted to cling on to. Just that moment there. And I'm willing to wager as you think about these moments in your life that you felt like they were just enough. You find yourself often thinking back to that time, thinking if only I could get back to that point, it'd be great. If only I could feel that again, it would be great, because here we are in this moment, and we're just not quite as satisfied as we might have been in that point, because we're insatiable creatures. We're always in need of something more, and these fleeting things that we cling on to in the world just aren't quite enough. And so the psalmist, who's writing number 42 here, I believe is recognizing this occasion, so presumably, the earlier psalms, those uh, lower numbers, were written by King David. We don't know this for sure, but people assume that it was written by King David, a man who could have and did have everything that a person could dream of. At the snap of his fingers, he could just make appear via just his power and status and wealth, whatever he desired, even people at some times. And yet here he is writing Psalm 42, crying out in this poem that he is still thirsty, that he is still longing, that all the things that a king could have were still not enough. So the question remains, is there any hope of us ever being satisfied? Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's a day in the liturgical calendar of the church in which we celebrate uh, this and, and remember this moment in which Jesus takes his three inner, disciple, inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John, 
up onto this mountain or hill or some high place. And while they're up there, this great cloud comes and covers over them. I can imagine Peter, James, and John are freaking out because this isn't normal weather patterns. And all of a sudden show up Moses and Elijah. And I don't know how they recognized that it was Moses and Elijah because they had been dead for many years prior. Um, But there they were, Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus. And as they're talking to Jesus, Jesus starts to glow with glory. I can imagine this is a bit like a psychedelic trip in some capacity. There's a lot going on here. It's probably starting to freak out these disciples. And so Peter, seeing this moment in which they have reached as close to the holy of holies as any other human has ever been, Peter cries out and says, Lord, let us make three tents, one for you, one for, oh my gosh, it's Moses, and one for, oh my gosh, it's Elijah, and maybe we can just stay here for a little while longer. As Peter's saying this, a voice from heaven cries out, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, and the disciples fall on their face, and Jesus touches Peter's shoulder, and when they look up, they're sitting there, just Jesus and them, and the moment's gone as quickly as it came. And Peter had just the opportunity to glimpse what it felt like to be satisfied in God and wanted to hang on to it. And yet, Jesus says, it's time to go back down the mountain. And so Jesus leads the disciples back down the mountain away from this experience that they just had very intentionally to let them know that the God that you just found on the mountaintop can also be found very active in the world we're walking back down to. And so Jesus has this bit of a challenge for his inner disciples to find God and be satisfied by God in the world that you are going out to work in. This moment was so powerful and moving to Peter that he even talks about it later in one of his uh, letters, 2 Peter in our, in our text. Uh, he describes saying, we saw this happen. We saw this glory and this transfiguration and we were sent back into the world to find God right where we were. To find God as enough. So what does it mean for God to be enough? What does it mean for God to satisfy? If we are insatiable creatures meant with a purpose to find enough in God, what does that look like? If you ask me, I think that it starts with looking at our lists, these lists that we've compiled of our desires, and one by one replacing each one of those items with God. That God might be my first desire, my second desire, my third desire, my fourth and fifth and twentieth and one hundredth desire. Countless times in Scripture, God asks us to let go of that which tethers our longing for this world here. Starting even in the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, that we should have no other gods before God, that nothing else we would long for would be before God. That every aspect of who we are would desire God first. Because all who drink of this water that is not God's water will thirst again. But God offers more than enough if we only long to see God. This Psalm 42 
uh, verses 1 and 2 um, are verses that I've carried with me for a very long time. People, uh, some people have what they call life verses, um, some point of scripture that sticks out to them. And it's just like, yes, this is something that's meaningful to me. This is something that speaks to me at all points of life. This Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 have long since been that for me. I actually remember I was in eighth grade whenever I first read these verses really and saw them and they stuck out to me. And so since eighth grade, they've been with me. As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I come and see the face of God? Very powerful verses that the psalmist finally recognizes. I can only be satisfied in God. God offers more than enough if we only long to see God. So I found, though, in in my days of preaching, which haven't been very long, that I'm often not very good at articulating the messages that, that have to deal with you know, these kind of transcendent concepts like being satisfied in God, what that means, what that looks like. Uh, I, I, can, I can articulate much better, like, love your neighbor. I can talk about that pretty well uh, whenever it comes to what it means to find enough in God. I have a harder time. So I'm going to do something I don't um, normally do ever. So this is awkward. And before I do it, I have to make a few disclaimers. The first is, I'm not a songwriter. Second is, I'm not a vocalist. The third is, I'm not a pianist. So we'll see what happens. Whenever the transcendent becomes too challenging to talk about, too difficult to articulate into words, I find that there is something more spiritual, something more moving in the music. Things of life 
call for me, I have chased them to find. All this world has to offer is nothing quite like you, Christ. I want to be on the mountain where you are. I want to be in the ocean of your heart. So draw me in your arms, God, high above. For nothing else satisfies God like your love. Like your love. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. When can I see you? Everything I have is not enough to satisfy when I want to be on the mountain where you are. I want to be in the ocean of your heart. So draw me in your arms, God, high above, for nothing else satisfies, God, like your love, like your love.